Hello, everyone. Welcome to another brilliant and exciting episode of the Madams Cast. I realise that I always say brilliant and exciting at the beginning of these uh, podcasts, and I, I hope that that's what they are. In my head, that's what they are. Um, and we seem to have lots of people listening, which is very exciting. Thank you, all of you. Um, do remember to download rather than stream so that our numbers get bigger and people find it easier to find us, and then they can listen into the conversation too. And who knows, maybe one day take part in the madness that is the Madam's Cast, uh, all about food, people, farming, and the planet. Now, what could be more to do with food and people than a chef or a farmer, or admittedly, or maybe someone who's got an idea about both? Um, joining me on the cast today, hopefully, is an old friend of the show, in fact, an old friend of me, and his name is Ant, and I think he'll probably introduce himself better than I can introduce him. So, Ant Brown, are you there? I'm here, Tim. I'm here. How are you? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. <laughs> it's good to hear your voice. Yes. No, no. I've, we've managed, uh, we've solved the technical issues, so I am here. Um, and, uh, yeah, looking forward to having a chat. Absolutely. Um Oh, yeah, it's, it's good. It's a, that's a great place. And, and you know, don't worry about technical issues. We're all about the technical issues here. We have lots of those. Every now and again, I have to try and edit something. It gets terribly complicated. But I think I, I can think imagine. All right. Hey, look, I get lost on Instagram. <laughs> so, you know, that's enough for me. You're, you're, right, you're, you're, you're light years ahead of me, Tim. Light years ahead. <laughs> okay, in which case we shall engage the warp drive and get cracking. <laughs> um, so, and what I always like to do at the beginning of the show is drop people in it slightly by asking them to give us a little intro about themselves. Now, it doesn't have to be an in-depth, you know, one misty morning and was born in the I've been, I've been doing my dog walks this week, Tim, have been preparing my introduction here. So, you know, I hope you're ready. You know, this could be lengthy. I, I, mate, I am. I mean, if it's long enough, I can nip off and make a cup of tea. So. <laughs> No, no, I can promise you it's not. <laughs> now, okay. Um, okay. Well, I'll go for it. I'm Ant Brown. I am, as you have identified, I'm a chef, uh, amongst other things. Um, uh, chef, dad, uh, stay-at-home dad at the moment. Um, but uh, no, I uh, have run uh, sort of a, a, done various things in my in my uh, back in the distant past, um, but managed to find my passion. Um, with regards to food and cooking, um, relatively late in life professionally, um, but uh, have managed to uh, create a career for myself, uh, cooking a private chef. Um, I've started off in restaurants, but uh, private chef, um, event chef, and uh, sort of hospitality management, essentially, in quite a niche world, lots of, uh, lots of work in the shooting world, um, but also uh, for clients sort of across the country and, and internationally. Um, and more recently, uh, working for a big charity here in the Northeast, um, uh, sort of setting up their hospitality operations. So um, that's where we're hang at. Hang on, hang on. Go I'm on. interrupting. I'm interrupting. First interruption. Sorry. You need to tell us a bit more about that. What, uh, what is that project? So the project, that's, um, that is the Auckland project. And uh, based in Bishop Auckland, it's amazing. It, it's an amazing setup. Uh, a chap called Jonathan Ruffer, who a uh, very wealthy chap, but um, found his calling um, in a small market town of Bishop Auckland and looking really to regenerate. You know, it's an unbelievable place, unbelievable history. Um, both uh, castles, artwork. Um, it was really the commercial centre for the South Durham coalfield. So it's, uh, but also huge religious um, history as well, linking in with Durham Cathedral, 
um, mm. and the birth of Christianity in the UK. So um, uh, he has uh, uh, set up uh, an organisation called the Auckland Project who are dedicated to regenerating the town. Um, and that is through a whole range of different things, but essentially creating a, a, a visitor attraction. Uh, includes a thing called Kinrin, which is an outdoor show, and then um, a number of uh, the castle, which has become an attraction, and a number of uh, art galleries, museums, uh, and potentially food operations. But uh, sadly, COVID has uh, has uh, <laughs> put a slight barrier in the way on that one. So yeah, um, right, I am yeah. no longer sort of I'm no longer full time involved with that um, or heavily involved with that. Um, but uh, I know that they're sort of taking stock. Uh, and looking at plans for the future, but it, it is an amazing thing, and the, the an amazing thing. You know, we did a lot of work um, with actually with the Country Food Trust as well. They they, they were involved, but uh, during the first lockdown, you know, we produced over twenty thousand meals for the local community for the vulnerable who were who were shielding, uh, and that was through a network of different organisations within the town. Um, and uh, I know that that work is ongoing. They've got a big three and a half acre wall garden that they're, that they're sort of recreating. And uh, that's mm -hmm. been in full production, supporting that project and continues to help feed um, those in need locally. But beyond that, um, I think there's a lot of uh, community work and, and uh, community development work, uh, as well as really interesting stuff on um, looking at agriculture, looking at food production. Uh, looking at regenerative agriculture as well um, within it. So it's a long-term project. And uh, despite um, me now not being involved, you know, I, I sort of hold it close to my heart and uh, I think it will, uh, it, it'll make a big difference to the region. So um, I'm a big fan and, uh, you know, I'll be watching it, you know, watching how they progress really. Wow. Well, good for you. And let me just give you a little nugget of wisdom from my ancient years. I've got a year or two on you. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. There's no such thing as leaving those kinds of projects, okay? <laughs> <laughs> they, they keep they keep on coming to find you, and uh, in years to come, you'll be like, I, I seem to still be doing stuff actually for the yeah. Auckland project. Yeah, um, yeah, well, you never know, you never know, and I think um, you know there's some good people there, and uh, yeah. there's a lot of good stuff going on, and I think as it it's as it grows, as it matures, um, I think it can have a fantastic impact on the region. I, the other thing that they've done actually. I, just as I mentioned, because it directly imp impacts, you know, where I live, um, which is in Weirdale, um, and they've invested in the Weirdale Railway. So that's going to be a, a really fantastic um, project that will um, sort of create an attraction through up through the dale. So, you know, the sort of the spider's web of positivity um, is actually there. It's real. You know, it's not just centred on a, on a small town. It, it's for the whole region, which is great. You know, it's really positive. Bishop Auckland. Bishop it's Auckland. one of those towns, It you're sort of driving along and you've been seeing signposts for Bishop Auckland for about an hour. Yeah. And then you sort of turn a corner and suddenly you're in the middle of this Industrial Revolution town. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, hang on, where's this suddenly sprung from in the middle of this amazing panoramic yeah. views? And it's all stone built and beautiful. Oh, no, and no, you no. You drive out the other side and it's gone. And you're yeah. like... How did they? How, how did you put a town here? <laughs> yeah, it, it, I mean it, it is, and it, the, the history is absolutely fascinating. Um, but what I would say is that the strength of the community there. I mean, there were a number of um, coal mining sort of communities that were, uh, when they became redundant, uh, the whole community was shifted into parts of Bishop Auckland. So the, the, the community spirit um, is super, super strong. Um, and despite the challenges, you know, that they face, it, 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 it's an amazing place. And, I, you know, I just think that um, 
you know, it's been a rocky, challenging road at times, I think, for the project and just to find its place. And I think it continues to find its place. You know, a, a town like that with such history, um, you know, you've got uh, the, the uh, it was the seat of the uh, Bishop of Durham, who previously had a huge amount of power um, mm. and uh, the seat of the Prince Bishop, essentially. They were you know, the Bishop of Durham. I don't want to bore people, but the Bishop of Durham was... Uh, was able to raise taxes, their own taxes, and raise their own army. It was the only bishop to be able to do that. Was the country. he? I mean, was that some? Was there something about a bishop of Durham? Now I'm going to get this wrong, but was it through the War of the Roses, or was it when the Vikings? Don't were get into too much detail here, Tim. Okay, we sound sorry, like we mate. know what sorry, we're talking sorry. about, and you've just taken the step beyond the line. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine, brilliant. See, let's the keep it on the surface. This is what we do well. We pretend that we know what we're talking about. Okay, so okay, the bishop, okay. but what the bishop of Durham, one of his main jobs at some point. You know, this is a this is real. Uh, you know that they, they were charged with defending the English from the Scots. So hence, they could raise taxes and raise an army. Um, so that's one decent fact that I've remembered. I did learn something in my two and a half years there. So there you go. There you go. There you go. So, um, well, I mean, that's amazing. That's amazing and strategically useful and all of that stuff. But we were just halfway through your intro about yourself, and I completely no, 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 no. I, yeah. It's been quite a big part of my life for a few years. So no, 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 please do. The, um, so what else? Yeah. You know, the, what else am I involved in is lots and lots of shooting work, lots of private work. Mm -hmm. Um, and not a lot else really, you know, it's, um, doing a bit, bits and pieces of consultancy, but I think where my real passions and drive lie, you know, I have been lucky, super, super lucky to find, hospitality and cooking in essence and mm. um yeah i'm really passionate about it i really you know get a huge amount of joy from it and um i love to share that and I, uh, you know that's not only in serving great food um but you know the team the people uh, the the skills that you can pass on but the enthusiasm that you can pass on you know it really really gets me going really gets my juices flowing so you know at the heart of it that is that's my passion it's it's working with producers, it's working with farmers, it's working with people who um, really put the effort into create something special um, and just making the most of that and sharing that joy. Uh, so, you know, I'm very lucky that this industry has given me so much and um, continues to. And despite where we're at at the moment, um, you know, I've got a huge amount of excitement for the future. So I'm not quite sure how the future will pan out, but um, what I do know is that I'll be cooking. For the point of reference, uh, because we won't necessarily uh, be broadcasting this podcast in the next month, yeah. it is worth mentioning that we are hopefully near the end of lockdown <laughs> version 3.0. It's mid-February or not quite. Um, there's about eight inches of snow on the ground up yeah. here in northern Scotland. You've yeah, probably got a bit there, have you? Yeah, oh, we're similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're very much the yeah. same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so... So a bit of a life change in terms of this year, having left the Auckland project and sort of getting stuck back into a bit of private chef work as COVID has inevitably impacted everything as it yeah. does. Um, interesting. And you're excited about the future. And one of the things that I've always noticed whenever I've had the opportunity or pleasure to work with you is that it is just that it's a pleasure. You know, you you are very positive in the kitchen, which is a very nice experience to, I th- I th- to share yeah no I think you know and I suppose I, I thought about this a bit and you know where does that kind of come from and I think you know I I came back to or sort of started my professional 
cooking career at the age of 26, having done two or three different, you know, I'd had two or three different careers, essentially, um, and not really found the thing that got my juices flowing. Um, and I was, so, I was so lucky, I randomly met a guy at a um, New Year's Eve party that I hosted. Um, and we, we started chatting and he, you know, he was a chef and he was a professional chef and I'd always cooked, always loved eating, always sort of, um, you know, cooked for friends and all that sort of stuff. Always talked about it, loved to go and eat out. Um, and, uh, this guy said, I'll come and, you know, have a look at a guy called Dave Underwood, who's now Oris and Sons. I think his business is called, I think they are making sauces is in Cambridge. Small batch sauces, you'd love it, Tim, right up your street. Yeah, nice. Um, Sounds good. Yeah, but he um, he said, uh, you know, come and have a look. And it was a restaurant called La Trois Garçons, which was near Liverpool Street in London. And um, I went along and uh, I remember turning up at the kitchen. I was 26. I was working in recruitment. Um, everything was rosy. I was living with my girlfriend, now wife, all positive. But I knew that, you know, there was something missing. And uh, I, I remember walking around the restaurant. It was like pre-service, so it was six thirty. I didn't know any of this stuff, but you know, six thirty, seven o'clock. And I walked around the restaurant three times, so nervous, worried about going in. And uh, I went into the kitchen, downstairs into the kitchen, uh, asked for this chap called Jer Jerome, who was the head chef, a guy called Jerome Henry. And instantly, he made me feel welcome. And the lucky thing was that he also had come to professional cooking at a later stage in life. So he knew what that felt like, you know, he knew and I knew that I needed to go in as a, you know, and if I wanted to do something, I'd have to start as, as a commie, I'd have to start right at the bottom. Um, but he also knew that um, somebody who is coming to it later has a bit more maturity and uh, has decided to be there and has accepted mm. the challenge of uh, knows how tough it's going to be and also, um, you know, knows how much work it's going to take. And uh, so I think my positivity um, certainly comes from, I feel lucky because I, I could have had a very successful professional career potentially in something else, but not been fulfilled. But luckily I found the thing that fulfills me. Uh, and uh, so I'll always be grateful for that. And, you know, I just want to sort of be able to, uh, for those people who also feel the same, want to give them the same opportunity. And for those who are kindred spirits who you kind of, and I, I don't know what you think, but you kind of recognize that in other people. Mm. Uh, you know, those people who are happy to be there, who want to be there, who understand how tough it is, but have decided to be there. Not somebody who's, you know, fell into it or been trapped or, you know, not to say that those people couldn't, you know, can't can't make a go of it. But, uh, you know, the people who want to be there. And it's such a positive environment when you get it like that. And as long as you are, you know, for, you know, delivering your skills, taking responsibility, being honest and open, all of the stuff that makes a professional kitchen tick, um, then, you know, it can be a real pleasure, you know, it can be a real yeah, pleasure. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's a lot to be said, actually, for going to it a bit later, because I think, you know, certainly I know from my own experience as a very young man in professional kitchens, mm -hmm. um, I probably didn't have the emotional vocabulary nor the intellectual, you know, dialogue mm. to be able to express necessarily some of the frustrations or difficulties with it yeah uh, it was a very strange environment to find yourself in without much uh background if you like no so and, and there isn't a, i think it's better now but there wasn't much of a safety net either and you know mm. i never saw that it, you know a lot of kitchens you know the full-blown professional kitchens 
it's kind of a dog eat dog world, you know, but to an extreme level. Um, and where you get to a point where there's abuse and violence and all this, all this sort of stuff, you know, I have seen that, yeah. as I'm sure you have. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's not, it's not, nobody should go through that for anything. You know, I, I understand the dedication, the drive and the passion, all of that sort of stuff. Um, but when it turns into persistent um, abuse, uh, yeah. which people don't quite realise how it did. But as I say, I think it's fantastic that you see signs, significant signs of that changing. And, you know, I think you can skin the cat in a different way. Um, yes, you have to be driven. I think one of the big things that people have to get over, you know, is that directness, that instantaneous response that you require, and that therefore, you know, the message might be delivered in quite a direct way. But it's almost, you know, like professional sport in that sense, where what happens on the pitch stays on the pitch and you move on afterwards. Um, but it can be done in a certain way. And I think, uh, you know, uh, I, I think from the impression I get is that professional kitchens are much more forgiving environments now, whilst not, you know, giving away on their on their on their standards i think they uh, are, are getting better um and I, you know i think you see a lot i think in general the awareness around mental health and and the challenges that you know people face uh, I, you know i'm certainly better educated on that front i mean <laughs> the, the the past 6 months are certainly <laughs> you know you know given some inquiry into that from my own personal perspective and um you know i think it's interesting to remember what it feels like to be slightly lost in that sense. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, it's difficult. It's really difficult. Uh, so I think it's really about showing compassion, uh, listening, you know, talking, giving people environment to talk about it. Uh, but also uh, you've got to be direct, you've got to be strong and you've got to be driven to make you to be good at anything. Okay. So after you'd bullied and shouted your way to the top. Yep. That's exactly <laughs> it. Exactly it. Is that, I mean, literally sugarcoated that completely, didn't I? <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. And so, and then from there on, you know, you've fallen into um, some brilliant event based work and some incredible, a very high level private chef work, it has to be said. Um, and that's and that led you to the Auckland project, and now we find you here. Um, yeah, yeah. I, th I think it, and, it. Well, it's sorry, Tim, but it, it, just sure. to go through that that journey slightly. I mean, looking back on, I was doing supper clubs in various different venues. You know, in a fishmonger's, yeah, yeah. in a butcher's, in you know, in country houses. And I just, you know, you look back at some of the stuff that you do, um, and actually, it's you know, it's some of the best times, but professionally, from my perspective. Um, and we're now in that sort of place again. It's about starting again and uh, and recreating that environment and recreating that attitude. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it moved on. But um, no, it's it's been really good fun so far. Amazing, yeah. amazing. And do you feel excited and invigorated about the challenge ahead? I do. I do. I think the best thing is I'm scared. You know, yeah. and that <laughs> you know the blood is is bubbling again. And um, you know, I hadn't had that for a while. Um, to be fair, the role at, at the Auckland project was relatively because it was in a sort of a build phase, um, so it was looking at it slightly more strategically and um, mm -hmm. more trying to and uh, creating venues, creating ideas, creating concepts, um, and trying to get them built. Um, I think I wasn't as hands on, and um, you know I missed it. To be fair, and I think I you know this gives me the opportunity. You know, yes, I've got some 
decent experience now, but it does give me the opportunity to to get back hands on it. You know, at home, <laughs> slightly annoying my children, but you know, I'm cooking for them every day, <laughs> uh, recording it on on Instagram and stuff. I'm putting some recipes on Instagram, and I do. I'm honest about it. You know, there's five of us in the family. We've got three kids, and I do give a score out of five as to how many have actually eaten it. So <laughs> I, I get a three. If I get a three out of five, I'm relatively happy. But if you look yeah. at some of my highlights, you know, there are screaming children rolling around on the floor. The amount of, you know, we have to have the backup toast and Weetabix late on in the evening when they actually say they're still really hungry. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting itchy feet. I'm desperate to cook again, but also just to, you know, to, to be out there working with people, um, working with clients, working with teammates, you know, all that sort of stuff and creating some things, you know, that's really where the buzz is, is that, uh, creating a product, creating an experience for people and and then turning around and saying, thank you. Wow, that was great. Yeah, I don't know about for you. For me, some of that, at least a good third of that creative process is about other people. Yeah. Yeah. And that is that is that has been sadly missing quite a lot of late. Right. OK. OK. I That's going to be actually just as, as, a, as a spoiler creativity and breaking that down is going to be one of my points so just just be aware we're going to come back to it all right so this is what so since you brought it up let's do it okay we're going to step through a rift in the chef time continuum okay (laughs) and and once we go through there you're in an identical copy of this world however you have the ability to change three things about the world of food um and they can be as you know, as infinitesimally small and personal as you like. They can be as macro helicopter view, far reaching as you want. They can be about policy. They can be about pepper. You yeah. know, they can be about anything you want. And it's a very, very wide remit. Um, and I will do my best not to interrupt, but I might shiver you along. I, th- I, I may I th- well. No, no, no. I, I may th- well interrupt. <laughs> Tim, I'm not quite as sort of erudite as you. So you might be able to help me sort of um, maybe pick apart some of the uh, the questions that I have, the queries, maybe let's call them queries. Um, okay. But this, the first one going on about creative, I mean, I think this stems from actually when we talked the other, spoke the other day and you sort of mentioning about being creative and you know being a creative chef. I mean, what is that process? And labeling it as um, an art form, almost sort of linking it with an art form in terms of um, being creative. What does, mm-hmm. and I think, I th- what I'm trying to get at is that I think people find that quite intimidating. I think that it's people think it's some sort of magic or stardust that people hold um, and that they are either creative or not creative. I think it goes back to maybe school as well, where you have the, you know, sort of the arts and the sciences and, you know, those who are in the arts and generally perceived as being more creative. But I think mm. in the kitchen and in any sort of, um, uh, if you're working at a high level, producing high quality products and experiences yes there is creativity but what does that actually mean labeling it uh, to me it's uh, it's really about that passion and drive because i think and if you if you have found the thing that you just want to do it every day and i was i was trying to communicate it with other people to other people um through you know i enjoy peeling carrots you know and that uh, as much as that sounds silly but it's such a part of the process of doing each thing as well as you can ends up creating something that is really, really good. And if you practice your skills and you're good at it, then it frees up headspace to look at the possibilities, to look at what the options are, where the opportunities are, and where you can 
maybe look at something quite slightly differently and come up with a different solution that could be better. And I think people calling, uh, labeling chefing specifically, if we're talking about that as a yeah. super, super creative, I do think that, that that almost acts as a barrier for some people because they will think, well, I've never been spoken about as being creative or being creative. Do I have to sit here and dream up ideas? You see, you see a lot of young chefs and a lot of you know, maybe um, home cooks coming up with some sort of crazy combinations and all that sort of stuff. Um, but actually, you know, it's about, to me, it's about that energy, drive, passion, really wanting to be there, not being hampered or hindered by the skills that you learn and not copying everything that anybody else does. But it's actually, if you can develop your skills to a point, it, as I say, it's, it's the same as anything else. It frees up space in your mind to be able to think about things as how they might fit together. I think the, the only two places that I found that feeling for myself, and I, I'm a mad, you know, mad keen on cricket, and played a lot of cricket when I was younger, and um, the space that you get into when you're batting and you're batting well, and you don't, you know, you don't actually have to think about it. If you can find that place, that is where you can be creative. That is where you can come up with new solutions to similar problems. And yeah, um, yeah but. You need to be able to, to, to deal with a lead break and a cheese roll first, right? <laughs> you do, you do, you do. But it it's almost as if, um, you know, some people have a free ride to, because they're creative and some people, uh, it, 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 it to me, it's not about that. It's really about dedication and hard work. And I feel that, you know, it is 95% hard work and 5% magic, but it isn't magic. It's about using your skills, developing your skills, being able to express yourself and free up mind space to really think about, you know, uh, I've seen you do this, turn up and, you know, here's five ingredients. What are you going to do with it? And the fact is that you've, you know, almost certainly you've used those five ingredients previously on a number of occasions. You have a number of set different formulas, but it may be that that day, one product, let's say it's uh, a pheasant or a partridge or a teal for instance you go wow that's in perfect condition that is a fantastic ingredient i'm going to make that the centerpiece of this dish and you know that is about experience but also the ability to free up the mind to say and recognize that is a great ingredient it's not that potentially it's the most expensive but that is a great ingredient i'm going to build my dish around it and um you know i just i would just wish that that myth around creativity that I feel intimidates some um, was busted slightly. And, you know, people realize yeah. that it's completely achievable. It's completely achievable. So, yeah. Okay. okay. So I've, I've got to try and, uh, I've got to try and sort of put that into some kind of one liner. <laughs> <laughs> so what I've got, the best I've got at the moment is change people's perception of the creative process. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking about people coming to cooking. I, I actually, what I'm really thinking about, uh, you know, one of my great challenges, and I think a lot of the, there's a theme running through all of my points is that is that connection with food. And I think that getting people cooking, I actually think that, that the lockdowns have been really good for this. Um, you know, I'm looking at, you know, the, the, the talk I'm having on, you know, the communication I'm having with people on Instagram and, and, and other channels where they want to find out they want to know i was chatting to a guy today who um he's actually a land agent i would never have thought 
uh, was into cooking, but then I see him post, you know, a roast hair dish, a roast loin of hair. And I'm like, wow, that's fantastic. He said, oh, one thing I'd really like to learn about was making sauces. And I'm like, well, you know, of course, I'll, I can put something up to, to help that. So I think that just the barriers that exist to people getting involved in cooking. Again, this goes back to me and, you know, the joy that I get out of cooking, the joy mm. of the process. Uh, you know, cooking again, even at home is like therapy to me. And um, I just want to break down those barriers so that everybody feels that cooking is accessible, going in and doing something, uh, making something, it's not scary. And, you know, being prepared to take a chance and have a go. And as I say, the whole myth around creativity, to me, you know, I, I do see it as a barrier because you can create good food. You don't have to go out and be complicated or go out and get the best ingredient you know it, it, yeah 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 but i think i think i'm gonna i'm gonna just i'm gonna whack this in there you're gonna call well. me I'm, on it no i'm not i'm not i'm with you right but here's a slight mind bender okay mm. every every mistake is a lesson yeah it teaches you something every creative outpouring now let's let's put it in a different format okay i'm a big fan of robert Zimmerman okay Bob Dylan and I would say uh, the man is incredible but you're not telling me that everything he ever wrote and every time he ever picked up a guitar and everything he created was good okay so I think you can you can go through a creative process and produce something and that is still a creative process it just doesn't get you where you want it to be so I'm I'm sort of with you. I'm with you in the it mustn't I think be seen as a barrier. Hard. You've got to learn the skills, right? You've got to do your time. I get that. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 I defend. I think the existence of creativity within that. I no, and and please don't think that. Um, you know, I think it's about. It's more to do with understanding what creativity is, yeah. and maybe that's what I'm getting at. Is that creativity isn't magic. There is a process. There is failure. Yes. Of course there is. Yeah. And there is acceptance of failure and viewing each failure as an opportunity to learn. And I'm, I'm wholly behind that. Um, and I think maybe that's to do with confidence. And maybe it's a reflection of, at times, my lack of confidence in that sense. But mm-hmm. I think that um, the it is important that people understand that it's not magic. You know, to, to create a fantastic dish isn't magic. To create a wonderful yeah. experience isn't magic. To paint a wonderful picture isn't magic. It's, you know, there is there is skill and thought and, and a process that's gone through um, to achieve it. And if you're prepared to embrace that process, then absolutely, then <clears throat> you can do, you know, wonderful things. So maybe I'm getting at not the myth of creativity, but more the, you know, it is a process. Embrace the process, uh, and and, and and explaining it a bit more. You know, being a bit more open about that because I've always, as I say, I've always found it slightly. And maybe I am talking about myself here, but I am. I have found it slightly intimidating. And never, maybe it's never sat on my shoulders comfortably when somebody turns around and said, "Are oh, you really creative?" And I'm like, I've never considered myself to be a creative person. Um, and I just think that at times that could intimidate others who, like me, maybe feel that they're not creative. Mm, mm, mm. So. Interesting, interesting. Well, thanks for clarifying that, Broth. That's, yeah. uh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's we... come together really nicely. Oh, I, no, I totally no, no, get I, it now. Yeah, 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 I was hoping it was going to be a consomme, but obviously not.
Well, I think it, I know, I think it is. I mean, it, yeah, I'm, it's a clear broth. We'll, we'll, we'll argue about its geographical name <laughs> later. I'm, I'm totally happy with that. The creative process, black brackets, changing people's perception of yeah. what creativity means within our spectrum of, of kitchens, right? Yeah. Yep, there you go. Got, That'll do. Got it. That'll All do. All right. Yeah. Well, you've put that, you put that well. And I've never really thought of, it's an interesting point because I'd never thought that the idea of something being cre a creative process would put someone off it. Like I would never have thought that the idea of saying to someone who wanted to be a, a carpenter, oh, that's a good creative process. You'll enjoy that. I would never have stopped to think that the mentioning that that was creative might. Yeah, but the fact off. is that you said it's a process, which actually makes it different. I think you know that saying, "Oh, that person is really creative," um, and you think, "Oh, I'd like to actually be quite like them," but I've never nobody's ever called me creative. You know, yeah. I, I agree. I think that's part of it is that people don't appreciate it as a process. Um, uh, but yeah, we could go back into the consomme here, but let's not. <laughs> no let's not let's do about the bones leave it we'll leave it for later okay and well that's done we can change that that's not a problem you've got the power you've got two power-ups left okay um what what are you going to go for, for so number two? there's one that like is quite straightforward and there's one that probably is quite rambling like the last one so should we go for the straightforward one should we do the um do do sandwich thing and we'll try and get this get this one clear all right let's hear it let's lead hear shot it, brother in shooting yeah. lead shot let's Ooh. ban it please done okay yeah, i mean th there is no further conversation to have in my mind yeah i think you know i've spoken to a couple of people re reading a few things and um i just think that i've always obviously i've worked with a lot of game i've cooked a lot of game and i've had the benefit of cooking some of the most amazing produce um and eating it as well and i think there's always been something holding me back in terms of promoting it greatly now the question over shooting or not shooting I, I get that as a moral question and I think that's uh, not suggesting that's black and white but I think there is a, a clear uh, definition of whether people want to be involved in that or not or eat products from that process or not and I can understand mm -hmm. that but I think the um, you know I think there is a huge responsibility of those people who do go shooting to understand that they are producing food for the mass market or producing or not I, I hate to say the market because i'm suggesting that it's a, a commercial activity they're doing it for enjoyment in the vast majority but um it, you know that food is going into the into the system and they have a great responsibility for giving or producing it in a way that is healthy safe and uh, makes the most and justifies the death of that animal um yeah and I think it's yeah. it's so important, and, and and I feel, you know, you know, greatly motivated, um, and quite confident and comfortable promoting game, um, if it is, you know, if it is safe to eat. And I'm not suggesting that that you know we eat game. I feed game to my children, not all the time, but I do. Um, and but I can understand why people would be reticent, and I can understand why people would question it, and. Um, uh, and would understand the question mark over the impact on the environment. And I just think, you know, why would you not, um, you know, get on, get the technology right and, uh, and, and make it happen? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very simple, isn't it? It's, is there a viable alternative to sprinkling the countryside with, let's face it, tons of a toxic metal? Yes, yeah. there is. Mm -hmm. Okay, that, that, that's not problem free. There are other problems with the alternatives. 
but none of them are toxic metal being sprinkled over the landscape or into people's food sources or into water courses, etc. Yeah. There's no longer any need for it. It's like lead piping. We don't need it anymore. We've got better answers. So let's move. Let's just move on. Um, and it's really interesting, actually, that a lot of the deer stalkers have switched already to yeah. copper polymers and other things. Um, and, and, and sort of feathered game shooting seems to be a long way behind. But I think it's really gaining momentum now. And I can see it. I can see the... Uh, people really pulling up their boots and getting on with it. So it's um, I, I think it won't be long before we're living in that world which you've just yeah. changed. Yeah, and I, I, I really hope so. And I, I appreciate that, um, you know, there's a bit of a driving force from the uh, the chat from Waitrose. I watched the video from him the other day. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really interesting, really straightforward. Just get on and do it. And, um, yeah. you know, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think yeah. one of the things that certainly from a bit of work, I'm doing some work with a, a local farmer, a young chap who's, you know, it's quite inspiring, actually, to see him uh, shifting uh, toward a mindset with regards to the environment and, and his responsibilities um, and, and the positives that he can bring, the broader positives he can bring whilst also, you know, running his business, mm-hmm. sheep farming mm-hmm. business and the beef finishing business. And um, he, uh, you know, looking at protein looking at meat uh, you know i have i've served a lot of relatively wealthy people whereby um the cost of something is irrelevant and i think that uh, to that at times my food has developed into quite a protein centric you know it's quite protein centric and yeah. i feel you know it's quite interesting now that you know if you i look at my own personal budget and you know that is slightly more restricted than it was previously um, and then you start learning about the impacts uh, that certain uh, farming approaches have uh, and that it's all around you. You know, it's everywhere and it's everything, mm. every step that you take and every every meal that you have almost went into a sting song there, but I, I avoided it. But <laughs> um, the, um, you know, it, it's it, it's so important that, you know, we really understand where this stuff comes from, where where your protein comes from and how you can reduce your intake whilst also understanding the stuff that you do eat uh, comes from a, um, a responsible source. And I think it, um, yeah, it's really, hang on, really hang on, hang on. Are you trying to wedge two things into point number two here? Well, it's sort of, you know, I'm just, it's general ramble, you know, this is general ramble opportunity. No, 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 no. no. If you think, if you think you can get that past me, <laughs> when you, you, you must think I'm as green as I am cabbage looking. No, no but I do, I've been... come on, right. <laughs> You must see the link. All right. I want what I really want to see is that I think there's an opportunity from a, some sort of the, the regenerative food movement that we're seeing, you know, that gaining momentum. And I know I love yeah. the way you described it the other day, old hippies like you who've been beating this drum for a long time. But um, and you're not that old, uh, but it's, um, <laughs> I just see that game can, you know, game can be part of that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a protein source. And again, I go back to the arguments about shooting or not. It's a different discussion. That's a discrete discussion um, and, and one for a, another time for another situation. But in terms of meat protein going into the system, why would it's so precious? Why wouldn't you treat it with the utmost respect? And I think there is a mm. great there's a there's a weight of responsibility of those who are within the shooting world to do this quickly and get on and do it and not bumble around and not sit at committees and lots of different organizations arguing about it and i know there are great organizations out there making an effort to try and make it happen mm. as well as other things um 
but you know, get on and do it because um, there is a there is a groundswell uh, with regards to sort of regenerative food. And I think as you look at millennials and their interest in in where their food comes, their interest in spending money on food and getting involved in in um, much more uh, environmentally based uh, issues, I think you know the shooting world needs to keep up because otherwise they will very, very quickly be looked at and tarred with a, a very dirty brush. Um, and the day that we lose the ability to eat a delicious, tasty partridge yeah. or a nice pigeon, you know, that is going to be a massive loss in yeah. my mind to the culinary platform. Uh, and, uh, and, yeah. and, 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 you know, pigeons are such a sustainable meat. There's huge, as you say, way too big a discussion to have now. But yeah, I'm totally with you. Lead shot is gone. Let's yeah. get I'm, I'm gone with you. And, and I like the way you framed it, actually, okay. because it is part of a much wider picture. And I think someone said to me once, um, only people worried about this are the people that shoot and the people that don't like them shooting. And yeah. I thought, well, I think that's true for a lot of the, the argument, but it's not true for this bit. Because no, I th- if I someone said true. to me, do you want to feed your children a toxic, metal polluted animal? Mm in any other format, you would go, what, hang on. Like, so I would never say, okay, hey, hey kids, there's a tiny bit of mercury in yeah. this. Don't worry about um, it. Don't worry about that. <laughs> It'll come out in the bath. You know, <laughs> it's not like that. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. I'm totally, totally with you. Number two is absolutely. Okay. Fine. So at least yeah. we've got one clean, clear situation. Yeah. Got it. Bingo. It's gone. Good. Last Good. chance saloon, buddy. Well, <laughs> Again, completely not formed in my head, interested in your views on this because, it, and it's about food education. And it, these are just issues, all right, that just bubble away. And what has frustrated me from the age of 12, all right, I'll tell you about my, briefly, about my education around food yeah. in school. Yeah. I, um, I remember one incident throwing meatballs at a dinner lady. I then was uh, chased around a room by a friend with, uh, he was shouting lardy bread. He had you this lard, lard bread. Threw. No, the game was, there was a, there was a, there was a dinner lady, uh, you know, this was a, many years ago and she looked like a meatball. So the challenge was to throw a meatball into a hat. It's completely, right. I was very young. I was quite That's, naughty at school. So that is puerile. That yeah, is puerile. Yeah, no, and it is totally unacceptable, but it's also very, very funny. Yeah. Okay. So so then the you know, another occasion I uh, I was chased around a room by my one of my best friends. He had a lardy bread dough and he was yeah. swinging it around his head. And for that I got locked in a cupboard for forty five minutes. You know, a small like dry store by the teacher. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was also caught drawing dirty pictures and giving them to a friend uh, in a in a home economics lesson. So what I'm trying to say is I was slightly distracted. It was obvious I was slightly distracted in my home economics lessons. And I think yeah. it wasn't inspiring. Now I know that the, you know, the world has changed, but I, I just get the feeling, you know, we're starting to think about secondary school for our kids. I mean, obviously it's a long way off still. Uh, my oldest is seven, but just thinking about it and you look at the curriculum and, you know, where does food feature? I know there are stand-up... Um, or you know operations at schools that 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 uh, place food at the center of it but you know i just feel that and hopefully out of covid that maybe you know it will come higher up the agenda but if you look at um you know poverty health sustainability regeneration confidence teamwork all all the all the things that are great 
about food. Um, you know, none of that, in my experience, was talked about at school. And I no, don't right. understand why. I don't understand why. No, no. And I don't know what you think. You're right. And it is, it's well, I mean, first, the first thing I always think is it's so difficult to have the conversation because you look like a middle class, hand wringing, mm -hmm. condescending git. The yeah. second you open your mouth and try to understand somebody else's life situation right so yeah. so so that has to come out and be put out in the front there okay you're right i don't get did you think that when i started my first sentence did you actually no think no 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 i didn't think that because i know <laughs> that you'll have considered these things and i know where you're coming from but i just yeah. have to i have to put that out there because it's so often when people try and talk about this it is looked at as just people that don't get the challenges involved right yeah, now no, no. there's no yeah. there's no need right for schools on their own to deal with teaching people how to eat a healthy diet that mm -hmm. has to be part of you know and, and and to appreciate their food and to treat it with respect and to understand where it comes from that has to be a societal thing yeah and the reason that it used to be such a big thing at school is that the people helping out with it at school understood that it was part of the societal thing and that has changed in such a short period of time with the industrialization of food and the pretend cheapness of it um that, that's how quickly we've got to this point where perhaps educators felt two decades ago that they no longer needed to teach people about food because it was cheap readily available and they'd be there for all eternity yeah. you yeah. know yeah, so yeah, yeah. i can totally get how we've got there and i totally see the problems in front of uh school administrators when they say things like that's not going to help with my league table yeah <laughs> you know okay yeah, yeah, that's yeah. great that the entire of year 8c can make an apple pie using their own pastry that's yeah. a good thing. That's a life skill. That's going to help them live well. And they're going to know the difference between an apple pie and some, some processed version. That's yeah. good. Uh, but it's not actually going to help me get more budget, more funding, more students for my school. Mm. So I can see all of the complex web-like manifold issues around this. And it is not as simple as saying food should be taught better at school. Yes, it should. I 100% agree, but that needs to be done in such a way that it builds a sustainable system mm -hmm. for the food at the school and for everybody to be a part of understanding how it happens. And that only happens when you start to take away from the whole idea that it has to be, you know, the cheapest possible answer is the contract yeah. that gets the catering for the school. You know, yeah, so yeah, I yeah. think it's the, the, the education of food at school should not be strictly limited to the home economics class yep, or the yep, science yep. class on nutrition. I think it should be linked to what the kids or the young people get to eat and where it comes from and understand it that way. Because to be perfectly honest with you, and you'll have found this with your kids, okay, you can't win the battle every day. I get that. Yep. But believe you me, I'm a few years further down the line. <laughs> and if you keep just encouraging them to try stuff, they will get it, you know, yep. and and that is a that's a beautiful thing. And that is going to stand them in good stead. They're around food. I don't force them to cook. You know, it's not like an enslaved galley in my household. Yeah. Um, but they show a bit of interest from time to time. And they, you know, they can all, they can both make something, you know, half yeah. useful if you give them half a chance. So uh, I think, yeah, I think you want to teach kids about food, start cooking it at home, and then that will spread to school. And if we can start at both ends, yeah. Um, 
I've stolen your point away from you. No, 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 no. But no, I think no. But it's really interesting. Again, you know, I come at this from a, uh, you know, and I don't know how much work you've done on that front. Um, You know, I think it's one of the things that you observe, and also as a parent, you know, as you've identified, it's something that you, um, you know, you think a lot about. And then if you think about our profession and um, what we do, what we've had, the benefits and joys, and as I, you know, at the start that, you know, I, I, maybe it's my enthusiasm and, and positivity around um, the profession that sort of, and, and what it's given me, you know, really makes me feel, I'd love to share that. I'd love to share that mm. further. I'd love people, to, you know, to give people, young people especially, an insight into that. You know, I go back to, we go back to the Auckland Project and we had um, five chef apprentices actually within the within the team and it was amazing to watch these young people who have um, come from varied backgrounds but um, you know gradually as we got closer to the products to the ingredients as they got closer to delivering their skills in a, in a, in a you know in a full-time professional environment you know the growth in their confidence um, their ability to do what they were doing, their understanding, their learning and their knowledge and their drive. And, you know, the great thing there is that they've all gone on, you know, to to get full-time jobs cooking, you know, which is, you know, really, really fantastic. Um, yeah. So yeah. I think, you know, I think I've had a bit of the, the, the good stuff there in terms of seeing the benefits uh, to people, uh, to young people who may not have, um, you know, at school thought that that's what they were going to be doing with their lives. Um, and they've got a they've got a foot up. They've got a they've got an opportunity. They've got a skill that, you know, outside of COVID, generally you can find a job. Um, you know, so I just think that uh, the benefits of it maybe aren't <clears throat> clear. I think I come from a maybe a family background and a educational background that you know, cooking and and chefing wasn't ever mentioned. I remember going into my careers advisor saying I wanted to be a restaurateur. Um, and sort of, it was completely poo pooed. It was like, no, I don't think, yeah, I don't think you should be doing that. You know, I think there's other things that you can do. Um, you know, can be a, be a doctor or a land agent or, you know, or a, whatever it might be. Uh, so, you know, I think it's, uh, I just would love to be able to communicate in some way, shape or form, how good it can be. Um, and with that, so many benefits, as we've sort of said, you know, health and, um, environmental positives, uh, confidence, teamwork, and 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 uh, working with great people and getting a great buzz out of it. I think it's um, it's a wonderful thing, and uh, I'd love to be able to share it more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ultimately, I mean, I my kids are incredibly lucky because they will not only know what a past participle is, but they will also know how to fry an egg. Yeah, uh, and I think I think when I was at school, it was very much a case of one or the other, you know, and, <laughs> uh, and quite often neither, because if your only place you were going to get taught about food was at school in your food science lesson, then you weren't going to le- you weren't going to learn anything other yeah. than yeah, there are still monster munch in the dispenser at the sports centre. <laughs> I was, know, I, was I was trading in gobstoppers. <laughs> it was chomps. It was chomps in my school. Chomps, Buy them at ten p. Buy yeah. them at ten p. Sell them at twelve. You're in yeah. the money. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Do a bit. Of, do Happy a bit. Of pitch and, a bit of pitch and toss on the side, and you could be up two quid. You could literally make a couple of quid. So, there you go. There you yeah. go. Absolutely rolling in it. Um, brilliant. <laughs> okay. And well, you can definitely have food. Um, in its broadest sense, at schools, I think. Yeah food at schools just to be better 
And like and I said, you know, there's some great, yeah. there's some wonderful examples um, of, of schools doing it really, really well. And, um, you know, I'd love that to spread. Um, I'd love that. And I'd love to be part of that. I'd love to be involved in that sort of thing. I mean, I can't do it full time, but, you know, you know, that sort of thing and getting involved in helping and supporting that process, you know, that's something and it's something maybe locally I should I should reach out and do. Go for it, man. Take some action. Go for it. Take some action. I'll Don't. come and give you a hand. I'll come and give you a hand. I'll cook in your school with you for a day. Love no it. problem. I love it. <laughs> I'm up for it. I'm up for it. Um, we can bring them in on the creative process of it. There you go. Uh, I like it. Sprinkle like some, it. sprinkle some lead-free shot on there, and away we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> fantastic. Okay, and well, I mean, we've navigated three relatively complex issues um, whilst keeping it sweet and not getting too far off the. Off the garden path. All right. So I'm very, All right. very pleased. Yeah, yeah. Really, really good. And not actually, not entirely the three points I would have. I, really? I think I'd only have. Yeah, I think I'd only have guessed one of those. Yeah. From you actually. Um. So that's that's pretty good. Um. And that would have been the food at schools one. I think because of your recent charitable um yeah. involvement I with really the, the there you go. project there you go. and understanding that. So that's interesting for me. Um. And as a regular listener to the Madam's Cast, Obviously. you will know. <laughs> liar <laughs> you 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 will know um that you're allowed to uh to now have a bit of fun okay you're allowed yeah. uh, uh to choose a desert island style food book that you'd like yeah. to have with you it doesn't have to be a cookery book but a food book that yeah. you can have on your little desert island of choice you see and, again I, um, i'm realizing something about myself here tim that I just can't decide on any of it. And I, there's a load of different rules that I need to, need to put around this. I need further information. But are you going to give me any further information or not? Uh, well, it depends what the specific information is. Um, and then you're allowed to choose a drink that you'll have while you peruse it. Yep. And then we like you to, uh, I like you rather, to nominate someone alive, dead, real, fictitious, to come on the Madam's cast. They don't have to come on. It's not a committed for them kind of scenario. It's just a, a, a little bit of a game we play, which is quite fun. Some yeah, people yeah. come on, some don't. Some can't because they don't exist. Um, the food, so, so your desert island could be a desert island of choice. It doesn't have to be your atypical desert island. It's just somewhere where no one else can get to. You're going to be there for a while. You've got some time on your hands. What book about food would you take with you okay and what would you have to drink if you had a choice uh of anything you wanted but there's so many wonderful whilst things perusing it so there's so many good books and there's so many wonderful drinks all right let's put that out yeah. there first yeah no, so we know I, that we know that but we're not doing a top 10 we're not doing a rundown just right. if, you, you know we, you might you might come on the madam's cast again in 20 years time and choose some different <laughs> You know, it's fine. It's fine. Just grasp uh, one and go with okay, it. Okay, we'll go and with then the, tell me why. We'll go with Dan Barber and the third plate. Okay, and the reason for that is that you know there's lots of stuff in there, and it's really interesting, and it's great storytelling. Um, you know, some of it is a bit over the top, and you know, I don't know. But the joy of it is, and what it gave to me when I read it was it, it facilitated me. Or, or gave me the tools to be able to make a difference. And the reason I say that is that he talks a lot or quite a bit about flavor and chefs using flavor as a way to communicate what is good uh, within a food system. So, you know, a something, you know, a carrot that's uh, grown in its perfect environment, uh, looked after properly and you know, from a sustainable system actually mm. tastes amazing. And if you mm -hmm. as a chef 
can um, help it express itself, express itself, then that is your role. And you can communicate with your customers, your clients, whoever it might be, anybody who is eating your food, you know, that great flavor comes from great ingredients. They come from healthy soils. Um, and that is just a simple tool for a chef to know that if they get great ingredients that come from a sustainable, regenerative source, um, they will be more flavorful if you treat them properly and cook them um, in a uh, in a sympathetic way. You can communicate a message, um, and that to me was quite enlightening. You know, maybe I'd realised that before, but it never been communicated as effectively as it is within that book. That our our language is flavour. Yes. What a great choice. And, and and really annoyingly, a book I haven't read and now clearly have to go and read. You must read that book. I can't believe that you haven't read that book. No, there's a lot of books out there, Ant. And there are a lot of people I talk to. See, I, 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 talk to. I thought there'd be some, you know, because you were so kind to mention my name in the small print in your um, River Cottage game book, I thought that you would expect <laughs> me to say that. I remember <laughs> taking my now wife into, I think she was my wife at the time, into the bookshop and saying, oh, look, there's my name in the back of Tim Madam's game book. So, you took her into the bookshop? Well, you didn't buy a copy and take it home? No, no, you give me a free one. So, you know, what can I say? Oh, right. <laughs> you used to be that generous, Tim. You used to be that generous. <laughs> I, I've got a lot to get rid of. <laughs> <laughs> well, I promise you, I'm sitting here looking up at my bookshelf, and there it is. I mean, and it's not too dusty. So, oh, well, that's, that's very kind. Oh, that's but can weird. I just say, oh. I know I'm not allowed a, a myriad, all right? But the one that's inspiring me at the moment, okay, is it's a bit older, but it's um, Prashad by Kushi Patel. And uh-huh. it's a vegetarian. She, they, they went on, do you remember the Gordon Ramsay show that was like two comp- competitions between two restaurants? And they were yeah. both cooking two kitchens next to each other. Anyway, they were one of the restaurants. And um, my sister got me the book. And it's like vegetarian Indian cuisine. It's amazing. You know, and right now I'm trying to, as I said to you, sort of reduce the protein and uh, sort of soften or, or maybe uh, make my food slightly less masculine and looking at more you know, other options. And it is, you know, it's wonderful. Really, 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 really good recipes. Really inspiring. Well, that's great to hear. It's a shame I'm going to have to edit it out. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so while you're while you're having your um, delicious uh, celeriac pakora with a yeah. free lentil see now, bowl, see now that impacts upon my drink because that was the other question mark. What am I eating? Well, that's you can you know you're not eating anything. You're reading a book mm. on a desert island, which a... might not be a desert island. I mean, it's vague. I'll give you that, but see, just is... choose just choose a drink and okay sorry whiskey sour let's go with the whiskey sour oh yes oh and no, well now i'm going to ask you a question um uh being a scotland dweller mm. most people around here would say it was sacrilege to use a single malt to make a whiskey sour or indeed an old-fashioned where yep. do you stand on that uh i use cheap bourbon because i've got some left in the cupboard yeah you know yeah. so hey no in truth would I do that? Look, if things get desperate, I also have bottles of single malt. Yeah. And um, and therefore, I could, it, in my next visit to the, you know, to your podcast, I could um, update you. But the truth of it is, at the moment, 
I'm either using Johnny Walker Red Label or yeah. um, it was an old bottle of Jack Daniels. So no. I can't answer the question honestly, Tim. Where do you well, stand? Think- or are you too scared to answer? No, I'm not. I'm not too scared to answer. I mean, I, I'm happy to be chased from Scotland um, with a already <laughs> flaming torch. No, I, you know, I'll stand up for my opinions, whether people disagree with them or not. That's mm-hmm. part of having an opinion, isn't it? And it doesn't mean I won't change them. But my feeling is that the Scotch single malt whiskies have such unique flavour characteristics mm-hmm. that why wouldn't you use them to influence a cocktail mm-hmm. so that you could get different dimensions of effect? A lemon tastes like a lemon unless it's a, you know, a special lemon. You know, I mean, that's kind of how I would look at that. And I'm sure that some wouldn't work and some would lend themselves incredibly well to it. But if you don't try, you'll never find out. See, there you go. There's you being a creative, Tim. There's you. Exactly. You've just explained the process. You've just done it. I can't believe it. Sorry, mate. Yeah. Well, that falls us up. Sorry, excuse me. But that, you know, that kills the rest of that that whole conversation. (laughs) Oh, Tim's, Tim, look at Tim, he's so creative. <laughs> <laughs> he's just made a, a drink using the wrong thing. <laughs> but then then he stood up in front of his guests and said, you know, but why wouldn't you? And they've all gone, oh, very good, Tim, you're so clever. Well, how he's so creative. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when you make me feel tiny um okay okay no no that's good it's really good for me so that's fine Um, i'll be ringing you tomorrow checking you're okay (laughs) um okay right okay lastly then before i boot you off out of resentment um what what who will you who will you nominate who would you will you see so yeah so i mean if you want heavy hitters from the culinary world people who've inspired me certainly um pierre kaufman as one i think the other one brett graham from the ledbury with just on the game cookery side of things i think is fascinating because you know i know he spent a huge amount of time on that and um watching him work and do it um yeah it's amazing it's inspiring um so there would be two um but uh the other uh, tarquin's quite a good one tarquin millington drake simply because he's got the most cool name and therefore and he's a great photographer and great fisherman and a uh, great host um, and, uh, you know, would be really, really good to chat to. So, yeah, let's say Tarquin Millington Drake. Let's do that one. Okay. Okay. Well, I do. Yeah. Okay. Well, they would all have been great, wouldn't they? Um, and in fact, Brett Graham, weren't, wasn't he in the kitchen the first time we cooked together? Potentially. Potentially. It could well have been. I think he was. I think he was. I think he was making me boil something. Was he? Oh, good. Oh, yeah. Were you? Were you one of his um, kitchen hands? You and I potentially. Near. Yeah, yeah, we were. We. Oh, well, I definitely was. I yeah. think. And uh, but I've definitely stolen some of the ideas he used that night. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've I've dined out on uh, on poaching grouse since then. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and hay smoking stuff, you know. I mean, that's, I, I do credit him with it. You know, I do tell people it's his idea. When, when we remember. When we remember. When, when, we, when the when, conversation whilst, goes that far. Whilst they're <laughs> applauding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, very Brilliant. good. Brilliant. Okay, mate. Well, look, I mean, what an absolute blast it has been to have you on. And yeah, no, thank you so up. much. Well, yeah. it's, you know, do you know what? It can be difficult sometimes to find an hour yeah. in, a, in a, you know, in a busy week um, with kids and everything else to just stop and 
have a bit of a conversation about the things that we do. And that's entirely what the Madam's Cast is for. It's a long format place for people to just share their opinions about the world of food. And you've done that brilliantly. And I've had a right laugh listening to you. Um, Good, man. No, although I don't drink thanks. during the week. I try not to drink during the week. And right now, all I want is a whiskey sour. So yeah, that's well, you see, a, a yeah I know. I know. That's bad, isn't it? That's not bad, actually. <laughs> what are weekends anymore, Tim? What are they? <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. What are they, indeed? <laughs> and, uh, brilliant to catch up. Best of luck for the future. Thank you very much. Great to catch up with I'm you. Looking and forward to, I'm looking forward to keeping an eye on, on what's happening with you. And um, uh, I'll let you know. Uh, I'll send you a copy of the pod before I send it out so that you can be grumpy about the bits I've cut out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look. It's all good, man. It's all good. <laughs> no, allow me to be funny, Tim. Come on. At least, sort of. Well, leave a couple of your laughs in there. <laughs> oh, I always leave my bits in. Don't you worry. Hey, it's, uh... I have no doubt. I have no doubt. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Right. Awesome, man. Great to chat. Yeah, you and, too. Uh, we'll be in touch. Cheers, Good mate. Stuff. Take care. All the best. Bye. Bye. Bye.